Welcome to the WebmasterRadio.fm Town Hall Meeting. Meet your awesome advertisers and find out what they're up to in this fun and informative show. Explore the latest trends and newest projects from the cutting-edge companies that are part of the WebmasterRadio.fm radio family. Here's your host. My name is John Kelly, and I'm the VP of Insurance at SureHits. We run an ad network for financial services focusing on the insurance and loan industries. The topic today is trademark infringement in Internet marketing. It's a, it's a problem that we've really been dealing with for a number of years, and it's a problem that we've actually been seeing, uh, that we've seen growing over time uh, with, with particular issues happening in the last couple of years uh, that we've dealt with. The most prominent cases uh, in, of trademark infringement in Internet marketing have really occurred in the paid search area where there have uh, been lawsuits filed against search engines and actions uh, taken uh, against individual companies. But if our experience is at all representative, we believe that there are thousands of incidents that occur each year uh, that involve anything from bidding on trademark terms, using trademark terms in ad copy, uh, using trademark terms in text or graphics or tags on websites, really uh, involving any of the ways that someone could drive traffic to a website. Uh, you name it, and we've, we've seen it. And it's something that, uh, that we've had to deal with, and we know that many of our partners and, and customers have had to deal with it as well. Uh, to set a tone for the show today, you know, we're, we've uh, assembled a group of, of folks here. We're not at all out to bash anyone or to, uh, to do anything other than to shed light on this issue, to help webmasters and marketers uh, stay on the right side of this issue, to be able to drive traffic without getting into any legal trouble uh, with any uh, trademark owners. That being said, with that intro, I have uh, three guests with me today on the line. The first is Ryan Hartman. Ryan is an interna- interactive media buyer who oversees all of Geico's search engine marketing and display marketing. Next, I have Jeff Gurian, who is a marketing manager for eSurance. And at eSurance, Jeff is responsible for affiliate and partner programs and other various online advertising initiatives. And finally, I have Sarah Bird on the line. Sarah is the general counsel for SEO Moz. Sarah manages all the company's legal risks and blogs on issues relevant to search engine marketers, uh, including copyright, advertising, can spam, and trademark law. Uh, welcome, uh, Ryan, Jeff, and Sarah to the show. Thank, Thank you, you, John. I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with Sarah as a as a general counsel uh, and as a lawyer. Can you start us off by giving a little bit of general background, describing the difference between a, a brand uh, and a trademark, and how that might impact uh, the legalities of in the online online advertising space? I think that's a, a great place to start. Thank you, John. Um, all trademarks are brands, but not all brands are trademarks. In other words, trademarks are certain kinds of brands that the government has decided deserve special protection from competition. So a lot of people um, pour money into developing their design elements and their name and their business slogans, and this is all part of their branding, the way that their customers are going to identify them and that they can communicate to their customers. It's a very important part of any business strategy. And one of the strategies businesses employ is to make that branding so distinctive within their market that no one else can use it, that it gets this special trademark protection. Um, 
you know, I don't want to go into an entire treatise on trademark law and what makes a brand trademarkable and what what makes it not, but I, there are certain elements you can kind of boil down. So, and briefly, uh, in brief, there are two elements that um, generally give your branding special trademark protection. The first is that you need to be the first person in your market to use that branding element. If that's your business name, if that's your slogan, if it's some design elements, um, you've got to be the first one in your market to use it to get special protection. Uh, another really important element to get trademark protection is that you've got to make sure that your mark is distinctive. And this is where a lot of marks um, or a lot of brands fail. There's, uh, there's a difference between having a distinctive mark versus a merely descriptive mark. Um, for example, um, you know, a merely descriptive mark just sort of describes what you do. That can be an effective way to communicate with consumers. You can say, you know, my business name is Best Insurance. Um, that definitely communicates to uh, consumers, but it's not very distinctive. It just describes your business. Uh, on the other hand, something like Geico or insurance those are almost sort of nonsense words that you know clearly are very distinctive and that are identifying you as a particular source of a good or service. So those would be something trademarkable. Um, now, there's always a caveat in the law, so, you know, it's, that's, and this is, trademark is no exception, so it is possible for a merely descriptive mark to, over time, get trademark protection, but you've got to do that, that for like a long a, time. Like, like General, Elect General Electric or American yeah, Airlines or, like, or something along exactly. those lines? Exactly. Exactly. One of my favorite examples is UPS in the, the color brown, um, you know. UPS has been using the color brown since, I think, 1910 or 1913, really, you know, a long time ago. So over time, they've used the color brown so consistently that they now have a mark, a trademark, on the color brown in the context of, um, you know, delivery, package delivery. So that's, they didn't, it didn't start out being distinctive, but it became distinctive over time. Interesting. That's uh, that's a great description, Sarah. Can can you expand on that by telling us if I have you know if there's a clearly trademark term, and I'm going to use it since they're on the phone with us, Geico and Insurance. Like you say, those are not generic names. Those are very clear trademark terms that are very distinctive. Can you give me a really quick overview as to what would you would consider to be fair game in search marketing in terms of using brand names? bidding on a brand name, using brand names in the copy on a, on a search engine, or using it in a URL, for instance? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would love to go into all these topics. I, I do want to have a caveat out there first that um, my approach on the phone call here in our town hall meeting is going to be to focus on what the law says and how the law is evolving around these very complex issues. You know, there are a lot of people who have strong moral opinions about even if the law says it's okay to bid on a trademark, that doesn't mean you should. Uh, and so I don't want people to think I'm advocating a moral position one way or another. Just want to <laughs> just want to clarify that, that right away. That's an important uh, distinction. I'm, I'm glad you made that distinction, uh, Sarah. Because there's certainly many things that are that are legal that uh, many of us would not consider to be ethical business practices. And that's an important distinction. Exactly. Exactly. And and maybe you know maybe the ethics of it is something that's within the purview of this town hall, or maybe that's a completely different 
discussion that needs to be had among a broader community. But um, for, for I, oh, my I think, purposes, I think it is, and, and I think uh, I think Ryan and Jeff, I'll definitely ask those guys about uh, about <laughs> their their opinions on the ethics about these things as well. That's great. This should be, this should be a really good, uh, exciting phone call. Then I'm I'm pleased. Um, but to proceed right now, in terms of you're asking me about legal questions, I'm coming from that legal framework um, the very best I can and, and not addressing the ethical issues necessarily. Um, to ask what is fair game in, in search right now, uh, there's, it's, a, it's a pretty broad topic, but I, and the law changes all the time. So it's not an easy, not an easy thing to discuss, but I'll do the best I can. Um, if we're going to start out just generally generally speaking, looking at the search engines and whether or not you can bid for a trademark term on a search engine, the, the law is not entirely settled here. There are definitely cases in the pipeline that could change this, uh, and there are strong academic arguments that go either way. However, the, certainly the majority is, is tending to say that it is okay to have keyword-triggered advertising, but that is not necessarily a problem, that the problem comes more from how you use that trademark in copy. Uh, and you can see this played out in the different um, search engines themselves and their policies. For example, Yahoo and Live, they don't currently let you bid on a competitor's trademarks. They have decided they don't want to get anywhere near the, the legal wrangling. Um, you know, it is risk for a search engine to start dabbling in this, and they've opted out. They say that you can't bid on a, on a trademark term. Only the trademark owner can do that. Google, however, has a, has a different position. Currently, you can bid on a competitor's trademark. You just can't use that trademark in the ad copy itself. This is a Google's policy. This isn't necessarily the law. That's a subtle distinction. But because the law is so uncertain, and Google doesn't want, I'm sure, to have any liability there, uh, or at least to minimize their liability to reasonable levels, um, they have taken this position that, okay, you can bid on a competitor's trademark, but you cannot use the trademark in the ad copy itself. And, and, and Sarah, would you, would you take that the same, would you say that when you look at the ad copy, that the domain that's presented, would you consider that part of the ad copy? So in other words, if, you, if your, your, your site was myinsurancepolicies.com and it was insurance.myinsurancepolicies.com or geico.myinsurancepolicies.com, you'd say that's part of the creative and also something that would put somebody on the wrong side of this issue? I think I would think that would be a very high risk, um, a high risk behavior to do. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. There's in fact been a recent a recent case with um, dealing with some similar issues about focusing specifically on AdWords and ad copy and AdWords um, that was really strongly. Hey, if there's anything in there, it's, it's such a small. Let me back up. It's AdWords are such small little bits of information there's not a lot of opportunity to clarify for a consumer who you are and what you're selling and what you're representing. You know, you just don't have a lot of space. Therefore, because there's such a small amount of space, it's easier, so the courts seem to be saying, for a consumer to get confused. They have this initial interest confusion that a consumer is going to look at that small box of text, and if it sees a trademark term, they're going to be confused immediately at who's the source of that? Is this, is this what I'm looking for? Is this a competitor they don't know? Um, and so therefore, you should really 
stick away from using your uh, competitor's trademarks at all in ad copy for small for small boxes like AdWords, for example, and other similar programs. I'm picking on AdWords because it's very common and because there is this recent case, but it's, uh, right. it's the same sort of idea. You don't have the opportunity to clarify with your consumer who you are and what you're saying. So, so, and, and by that you mean there's not a lot of clarity, uh, potential for clarity, and so there's a lot of potential for consumer confusion that someone could see uh, if they saw Geico or Insurance actually in in any of the copy in a, in a small ad like that, your average consumer could very well be expected to think that that was the official side of that company. If that's yeah, the confusion exactly. you're talking about. Yeah, that's the confusion I'm talking about. And, you know, the academic, I feel like every side gets their own study, study done to, you know, to bolster their own arguments about how realistic is that confusion. But um, right. the courts seem to be very convinced that, yes, that, but convinced by the studies that say consumers would be confused by any um, trademark. It's just not, it's not obvious, trademark in the ad copy. Well, well, that that makes a lot of sense to me too. I've been I've been in this uh, in this market for a long time, and we know that you know some consumers pay very careful attention to the text and ads, but many others don't. And I think that's I think if you look at the evidence, you know, a, a lot of consumers just click on the number one listing or the number two listing, uh, and, and aren't don't go through an entire list. And I think that's uh, indicative of the fact that uh, that that you know consumers are pressed for time and trying to go through quickly and. If you type in a branded keyword, I think a lot of consumers would expect that that's where they would go, that they would uh, actually go to that, that company and wouldn't expect competitors to, uh, to, to be on that brand phrase. So I think, I think that's a reasonable position. Uh, not to editorialize too much, but I think that's a reasonable position for the courts to take. Go ahead, Sorry, I was, just, I was just going to clarify. I think that especially another good um, distinction to make right away is is the difference between sponsored search and organic search. And, and certainly the likelihood for consumer confusion, many argue, and pretty convincingly, is greater in those sponsored ads that are usually you know, off to the above you and to the right on your um, search engine results page, that there's more likelihood of confusion in those sponsored ads and, and there's, there's less necessarily in the uh, organic. And that also that the consumer expectations are different. Consumers expect different things from their organic search results than they do from their spon the sponsored ads. It's, it's generally how arguments are going. Again, I think the um, the analysis and the, the proof is still being done. We're still, you know, I think as uh, as a society, we're still trying to catch up to the technology on a regular basis. And certainly, then the academics are kind of you know trudging along behind, trying to figure out what we think on it. So it's all developing. Right. Thanks, Sarah. With that, we're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Ryan Hartman from GEICO and Jeff Gurian from Insurance and get their thoughts. The WebmasterRadio.fm Town Hall Meeting. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah, GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. <laughs> We got it! Put it up there, elves! Wow. 
currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Faster than a speeding bullet, it's the super way to pay. It's Fast Transact. Fast Transact is the safe, secure, and fast way to process credit cards, online checks, and gift cards. Find multiple payment gateway and merchant account options to keep your costs down and sales up, up, and away. You can build your business empire in a single bound, while Fast Transact fights the never-ending battle to keep payment processing safe and secure. Your quest for an e-commerce solution has found its final destination. Fly over to FastTransact.com today. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting at a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the WebmasterRadio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. And now, back to WebmasterRadio.fm's town hall meeting. Here's your host... Welcome back to the show. Uh, once again, this is John Kelly from Sure Hits. We're talking about trademark infringement in Internet marketing today. We've got Sarah Bird, the general counsel of SEO Moz, Jeff Gurian from Insurance, and Ryan Hartman from Geico talking about this, uh, this important issue, trademark infringement in search engine marketing. I'm going to uh, turn to Jeff now from Insurance. Jeff, uh, you've heard you know, Sarah talk about some of the general issues and and uh, the, the legal side of this. Can you give me a sense of what your experience has been at eSurance? Really specifically, what are some of the most uh, common problems that you guys have had to deal with in protecting your brand and the brand that you guys have invested in? Right. Um, good question. So, you know, we, like most large brands, spend a lot of money, you know, building up our brand name to try to get people to come to our site. You know, one of the main ways they do that is through natural search, which is in uh, when you're in Google or Yahoo or any of the search engines, just entering the, the name of the brand and, and uh, having that appear on their listings and then clicking, going straight to the site. So when some other company kind of decides that they want to kind of infringe upon that, they're really trying to take traffic that we gained and uh, developed through our you know, brand spending uh, and take that and drive that to their own site. And when they do that, either going to sell it to a competitor uh, sell, you know, use it for their own means or kind of mislead the customer by having them arrive at their site instead of where they intended. So the major problem we have in the search engines with the keyword bidding is mostly around companies that are doing this that create the misleading ad copy that make it look like they're going to our website. You know, they use variations of our name uh, when they can't use our name directly in the ad copy. Um, so it does create that confusing customer experience, and it takes away customers that we kind of develop through our brand spending from coming to our site. That that makes a ton of sense. And and, and Jeff, what what do you um, what steps have you taken? What steps do you generally take 
in order to uh, to both prevent this and to deal with it once it arises? Uh, so we, in all of our partner contracts, we disallow keyword bidding on our own name uh, with our direct partners. Also with a lot of the companies we work with or have partnerships with, we have provisions in those contracts as well. So if they're partners or affiliates or if they themselves directly were to keyword bid, we would have a uh, re- remedy to go after them. And generally a lot of companies, especially in our industry, are, are very they're used to this, this problem because it's, it's a fairly large problem, and they're generally pretty helpful with policing other brands' keywords because if they know they don't help us out, it's going to open the floodgates for you know other companies bidding on other people's brand terms. So uh, generally, we try to do this the best we can through le- legal means, but a lot of times, um, if that doesn't work, we do have to get legal involved. Okay, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually uh, Ryan uh, Hartman from Geico. I'm gonna ask you. The same questions. I want to get your perspective as as well. What what would you consider to be the biggest problem uh, that you deal with most often uh, in terms of uh, trademark infringement with Geico? Well, here at Geico, we obviously see probably the same things that Jeff does. Uh, I guess the most prevalent uh, infraction is on-page search. Um, With Geico being an acronym, there's also a lot of affiliates out there or website owners that know they could drive traffic by using Geico variants or misspellings to drive traffic very cheaply to their site and then, again, reselling it to whoever's buying it, whether it be an aggregator, an ad network like you guys, or like an aggregator like NetQuote or Comparison Market, etc. Also, I've also seen on contextual relevant sites through Google's contextual ad network that a lot of sites out there have been building out content with a lot of Geico content that is sometimes not necessarily true. They're just getting a lot of that to show up organically on search engines. And then in turn, all they have to do is turn on their their Google AdSense and then they're populating ads that they are then getting uh, getting money out of. So they're, they're actually trying to, to build organic content around the Geico brand and then monetize that using uh, using an ad network? Is that like for, for AdSense, for example, is that is that, is that the issue, uh, Ryan? Correct. They know if a, a consumer is searching on, on a Geico term, they might spell it incorrectly like G-I-E-C-O. I and see. Then if, someone, if, if a publisher out there has built a, a site with a lot of terminology around the G-I-E-C-O, the misspelling, um, that could possibly show up high in organic rankings if the person searches on that term. So the consumer will, will accidentally click on a, a, a high-ranking ad and then go to that site where that site they might see a Geico ad through Google's contextual network. I got it. I got it. So that's basically using, using the branding outside of the direct advertising and just as a way to get traffic into the site and then to, and then to sell it off using whatever advertising means they might have. Exactly. Do you, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to, uh, turn back to Sarah uh, from SEO Moz. Sarah, is there, I mean, I, the question I have is, you know, clearly there are some sites out there that are what I would consider to be very legitimate review sites where someone, you know, uh, would, would put up a site and get consumers to participate, user-generated content where someone would actually legitimately review a site. But I've also seen a number of sites, and I, 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 I'm sure Ryan and Jeff have seen the same thing here, of sites that are not legitimate review sites. That, that it's just an excuse to put, you know, a bunch of different pages up with, with different brand names, and there aren't you know, real, there isn't really user-generated content there. Is there, can you give me a perspective on, on how that would be treated from a legal standpoint? Is there a, does legitimacy matter? Or what would, what would some of the things 
what would the criteria be in, in, in evaluating a site like that? Well, that's a that's a great question, and certainly, as you indicated earlier, one of growing concern in this in this in this industry. And as we come up with new ways to monetize uh, advertising here all the time, so the law is having a hard time catching up with these kinds of problems um, and these new kinds of defendants. You know, people who put up if it's not a legitimate site, if it is someone who is just um, creating pretty worthless content in order to uh, you know get get the rankings that they want for the terms that they want and then get, you know, a penny every time someone clicks on an ad. Um, it, there is, the law hasn't entirely caught up, but I, I can tell you that the principles that would be applied are the same principles that are applied in every trademark dispute, which is, does this confuse the consumer and is this accurate? Um, certainly, if you are, if you've come across a site, if you own a trademark, you come across a site with somebody who appears to be um, using your using your trademark in a way that disparages it and that is inaccurate. You certainly should send a cease and desist letter. Um, you know, do what you can. You can see if if they are stealing any of your content. You have copyright claims. Um, it's, you should do a little victory dance if you see that they're stealing your copyright because those are. Through the DMCA, we have um, pretty swift um, and expedient procedures for getting those kinds of sites taken down altogether. If they're not stealing any um, copyright and it's just strict infringement, you have to rely on things like cease and desist letters, potentially filing lawsuits, reporting them to um, to Google, and you know using these other means. Um, if it seems like a big problem, if um, you know if it's really disparaging your site and being inaccurate and goes into false advertising, you can get the Federal Trade Commission involved. Uh, they handle disputes like this. There are many uh, organizations that touch on um, consumers and on advertising. Great. That's very helpful, Sarah. I think it's uh, so it sounds like the two key and, and the two keys there are confusing the consumer, which I think is a, a great point that you really come back to that applies across the board, whether it's in ads or on a website, and accuracy. Is it, is it truly an accurate statement, uh, accurate content with respect to the, yeah, the brands that you're writing about? Yeah, it, I mean, if, if it's accurate content, you're going to have a much more difficult – if it's an accurate content and it's not confusing to a consumer, you're going to have a more difficult time dealing with it um, as a company. It's just not as easy to do. Um, courts have – approached uh, SEO, search engine optimization, from different angles. Some of them are very cynical of any attempt to manipulate search engine rankings, and others are not so much. Um, certainly, your chances of success against such a defendant who was being technically accurate and you feel just you know, trying to brand siphon off you, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's a more difficult case. It's, you're going to end up spending a lot of money and maybe not making that much back. Sometimes a good thing to do is to, to contact that person and see if you can turn them into a useful affiliate for you. Say, hey, I see that you're you know, involved or interested in my brand. Um, let's talk about how we can make you more productive and uh, you know, try to make allies where uh, you can't uh, successfully defeat your enemy. That, that's an interesting. I'm actually I'm going to take that right over to Ryan and say, <laughs> Ryan, do you, um, I'll, I'll rephrase the question here and say, Ryan, have you found that, uh, in your experience dealing with this, that this is mostly coming from inexperience in Internet marketers not knowing anything about the law, not knowing that they're dealing with uh, trademark terms, 
or do you find that it's more often the case of, of people really directly trying to uh, trying to take your brand equity and and make money off of it? And uh, and so my question is, have you where, where do you where do you think this is coming from? From what your experience has been? Well, I think they may be inexperienced with the law, and they don't know where they stand as in terms of trademark usage. Um, but I, I believe they were very experienced on learning how, on knowing how to drive cheap traffic to their site and reselling it. <laughs> Have you had, would you say that you've been successful in dealing with this problem? Or, or do you think this is something that has just gotten uh, completely out of control and has been, has been really difficult to deal with? I think we've been pretty successful. We, we monitor it daily, so we're, we're able to catch these guys pretty quickly. Um, a lot of these infringers have multiple sites out there. So one person can own multiple sites under multiple different domain names, and we could usually find, we have tools here that we could usually find the domain owner and go after that person and send them cease and desist letters. Um, some, even, some even more clever infringers have been going to Google now and have been putting Geico in their destination URL or their, or their copy, which is against Google policy, but Google has a 24-hour uh, review period. So they could get traffic that looks like it's going to Geico's homepage legitimately, and they could, they could get that traffic for 24 hours for very cheap cost per click. Wow, that, that sounds like a pretty sophisticated, uh, so sophisticated way to, uh, to, to do this infringement. Yeah, so they know what they're doing. Um, they, they, they also know that it's probably not not going to be looked upon in, in, uh, with a smile from Geico. So that they're either pulling <laughs> their ads really quickly, letting them run for 12 hours or so before even even Google can give them a slap on the wrist. And, and would you, I mean, and the, the question I have to, to follow up to that is, how much danger are these guys putting them in? Would Geico, uh, would Geico put legal resources and actually... Uh, obviously, depending on the nature of the infraction and the seriousness of it, and how much damage you you thought was done to your your brand and your traffic, but would Geico actually take legal action against uh, someone who was running a website doing this? We definitely would. Uh, the first thing we would do is see if they're working with a partner of ours, like like SureHits or a NetQuote of the world. Um, if they were, we would get in contact with the powers that be at that aggregator or that ad network and have them shut down that rogue affiliate. Um, if we are not working with the person that is infringing on our marks, then we, like I said, use our tools, find out the owner of the, that domain, and then we will go after them and pursue them legally. We do the same thing, and, you know, another recourse as well is we go to the search engines as well, and, you know, we, between, you know, us and Geico as the major brand players, spend, spend a lot of money on search. Uh, and they're very willing and help, able to help us when we uh, bring stuff to their attention that's, uh, you know, misleading or confusing or kind of infringement issues. So uh, that's another recourse that I believe we have available that we utilize quite a, quite often. Right. So Jeff, you, here. you would say that the, the search engines in, in particular and, and other ad networks have been uh, responsive and helpful uh, for you dealing with this problem. Uh, yes, they have. And and as I indicated, they're you know between the the big spenders in search, and, you know, we're one, Geico's definitely one, uh, a lot of the companies in the industry are, you know, we're paying their bills. I mean, you know, we do mm. you know, millions of dollars in search with these search engines, you know, in any given time frame, and, you know, they're responsive to hearing our issues, and, you know, we're, we, on aggregate, spend an infinite more amount more than sites that are appearing on keywords and doing this bidding. So, yes, they're more than willing to work with us, and, 
they've shut down um, advertising accounts for the people that have been caught um, blatantly um, infringing in the search ad or on their website. Well, that, that's great to hear. It's definitely good to hear that uh, hear that positive feedback. Um, again, taking it in a positive direction, Jeff, is there anything that if you could make one change to the process or or, or anything that you'd, you'd like to see search engines, ad networks, uh, publishers do differently? Anything that you could think of that you would, you would make a suggestion on? Well, I believe this is a good start because, you know, education is, is kind of big. As Ryan kind of said, a lot of these people are, they're big in driving search and making revenues, but they don't really pay that much attention to trademark law or think of the repercussions of bidding on a trademark. So, you know, education is one. Um, you know, another big Remedy issue, I think, is going to it's going to take a while, but I, you know, at some point, hopefully in the future, there will be a change to the search engines from a legal standpoint that brands are able to submit their keywords and variations of their keywords so that affiliates cannot use these in buying and purchasing keywords or likenesses of keywords for a particular brand name. Um, that's going to probably take a while, but you know, at some point, I, I think that will kind of be a reality in the future. Uh, an actual change to the law, which would and or a change to the uh, to the procedures of the search engines. Correct. I mean, you know, there's already different policies amongst the search engines. Some are a little bit more aggressive with not allowing keywords versus others. You know, there was recently a change at Google where they stopped allowing the use of keyword in a URL if it didn't go to that exact landing page. So, you know, already the the search engines are slowly coming around to making these kinds of changes to prohibit keyword usage and bidding in their ads. Jeff, that's a great point, actually. And and for those who weren't aware of it, uh, recently, last couple months, Google did make a change where uh, the, the URL that's listed does need to go to, you know, the domain actually has to be the destination domain, which I think was a wonderful change, and, and hats off to Google for, for making that change to really uh, make sure the consumers know what site they're going to. One of the things I've noticed is, is people have still gotten a little bit uh, too clever with the subdomains that they've put on those URLs, and, and, and I, I hope that, uh, you know, that similar action can be taken there, again, just to make sure that consumers are are really realizing what what site they go to, but I think that was a really positive change. I'm glad you you brought that up, Jeff. Well, that's one of the things that Google has you know been more cooperative in in enforcing is if the subdomain is inaccurate, they'll take that ad down as well. Which is which is great, which is great, and I think that's a I think that's a really really positive move move that those guys have made as part of their uh, part of their quality initiative on the search side. Uh, I'm going to ask Ryan, have you guys uh, have you guys uh, uh, found that the processes uh, are are adequate, and that have you guys actually had good response from the search engines and ad networks in terms of uh, in terms of dealing with this issue? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, they're usually willing to help. Um, if if one of their major advertisers is obviously not happy, they're going to do anything they can to make them happy. And if it's going after a, a a small player in the game, they'll definitely do that. Google has been slow to disallow bidding on trademarks, which is kind of upsetting, but like you guys alluded to, they are kind of hunkering down a little bit and realizing that, you know, that's not maybe a best practice in the industry. But yeah, I think I think well, we're, they're making good strides so far. Great. Great. I'm going to uh, I'm going to turn turn back to Sarah and, and Sarah, I know there have been a couple prominent cases uh, lately and, and uh, I wanted to see if you could uh, comment and let us know on you know kind of give us the the update on any cases that have that have come uh, come up in court related to this issue and what they might tell us about uh, tell us as marketers about where the legal lines are being drawn. Sure. Um, before I get into a case, just to to follow up on sort of that last discussion and. 
trying to predict where Google is going. Um, you know, I, I think we get some some interesting mixed signals from Google because even though I think they have definitely clamped down on uh, abusive URLs, um, they've also just recently announced they're opening up uh, keyword bidding in the UK and other markets. So I think that there is, um, you know, there, I think for me the future remains very uncertain as to to what will be allowable in the future, but uh, we can only wait and see. Uh, to go towards the court as well, I think that what we're seeing now, um, I think we're actually seeing a, a limitation in trademark law. It's the courts are getting much more strict and more protective of trademarks, which is great for the big trademark holders. Um, for example, there's this case of Storis Corporation versus ROA Marketing Inc. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Um, and it came down this February in 2008. This is a case I alluded to earlier in which uh, some ad copy included, in AdWords, included a trademark, a competitor's trademark. And the court said, uh, nope, you can't do that, even though um, you know, it's, you're not being disparaging and you're not the court basically said the mere fact that it's there at all is confusing to the consumers, which was a big win for trademark holders. This was um, not necessarily clear before because I think what's interesting to sort of back up here, you know, historically, it is okay historically to use your competitor's trademark in your ad content. Uh, comparative advertising has a long history in this country. It always has to be done with care and with rigor. You have to make sure you're you know, accurate and um, not confusing. Again, that's, that not confusion is always a key, and accuracy is always key. So I think that there was some question with, you know, well, comparative advertising is okay, but how does that translate into the Internet, into these different ways of advertising? And courts have definitely gone in favor of trademark holders and said, hey, if there's even, even a word in there, it's going to be confusing to the consumers. So, um, you know, knock it off in that context at least. Um, so that's a, I think that's a big, a big case. It, was, it doesn't have the impact that you think it would have in the sense that Google, it was already against Google's policy to do that, um, but it definitely sends a clear message on that the courts are going to bolster that and, and agree. Um, I think some other very interesting cases have come down dealing with this endless issue of uh, meta tags. It's, the courts and judges, attorneys, the whole mess, they've just been really confused and baffled by the meta tag and its impact and how is it used and what does it mean for advertising and for the consumers. Um, we have two uh, pretty conflicting cases recently. Uh, to start with, there was North American Medical Corporation versus Axiom Worldwide. That came down in the 11th Circuit and in April of this year in which it's not exactly clear what the facts of the case are. We know that there was a meta tag. We know that someone used a competitor's um, trademark in a meta tag. We don't know if it was a title tag or a description tag. We just have no real clear idea. And, and that's reflective of the court's fuzzy thinking. The court doesn't appear to know um, that there are these different distinctions, and nor does it appear to understand how search engines use those. Um, the court in that case said, yeah, you cannot use your competitor's trademark in a meta tag. You can't do it. It's, um, potentially, it's a use in commerce and potentially confusing to consumers. 
So that was a don't use your competitor's trademark in Meditech's case. Then very recently, in April, just after that case came out, a different court um, came to a, uh, the opposite conclusion that um, you know, keyword meta tags are mostly immaterial. Search engines don't actually use them. The consumer most of the time doesn't even see them. Sometimes consumers can see what's in a description meta tag um, and sometimes not. And because we don't find that it's going to be necessarily confusing um, or that it's brand siphoning in any meaningful way, uh, keywords and meta tags are okay. So what we have just as recently as this, as this month are courts completely disagreeing on what is you know, a use in commerce and what is confusing and how do, how do these things even work, um, these things being you know, advertising and the search engines. So a lot remains to be seen in the future. That's, uh, that's really interesting, especially interesting to hear the, the two different takes back-to-back uh, yeah. back on, on, on the issue of meta tags. And I know uh, it sounded like, the, it sounded like the, uh, on the one case there was some high degree of sophistication where the judge is going to realize that, hey, certain meta tags aren't really considered that much by search engines anymore, um, and maybe if they don't have an impact, then maybe it's not such a big deal. Exactly. Is, is that, was think, that the kind of the gist of the decision? Yeah, I think you've really hit upon it. This was a judge who had been well educated, and um, I think reading SEO to... laws, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> getting yeah. getting the background. <laughs> I hope so. So, yeah, he definitely, I think, came to a more realistic understanding of of how this works. And um, you know, for people who are sophisticated uh, internet marketers, like our you know, two gentlemen on the phone here, this may not have much impact anyway because, you know, most um, SEOs don't, no one bothers to keyword stuff when it's not relevant in your meta tags, right? You don't do it. Why waste the time? So, you know, there's potentially liability for using a competitor's trademark in a meta tag. On the other hand, ask yourself, why are you doing it anyway? You know, is it, right. is it worth it? <laughs> so... Well, and it, it, it sounds it sounds like uh, from from what we were talking about before with Ryan, you know, talking about some of the folks that we got some some people really doing aggressive SEO, uh, you know, putting uh, the the branded phrase all over the page and in the title and linking to it with with trademarks and really what would be called you know aggressive SEO and probably effective SEO. Uh, that that is a different matter than sticking a keyword in a, in a meta tag that's being ignored by the search engines. You've really hit the nail on the head. You're right. And I, I think what's also interesting about these cases is how far behind they are with the technology and with the problems that you know, companies are, are facing today. We're just not going to get the decisions to help the decisions from courts to help us make um, better marketing decisions anytime soon. There's just too much of a lag and this technology it grows at such leaps and bounds, um, which is why I think uh, I'm, I'm impressed with, I believe Jeff was sort of referencing earlier, this discussion among, among the industry. There's different industries, I think, are, are coming together as a community and having sort of a discussion or an attitude, at least, about how they're going to handle trademark usage. And um, depending on the industry you're in, some of them have just gone super cutthroat and, you know, they're going to outbid each other on their competitive trademarks and it's all gung-ho and other industries seem to have said, ooh, I won't go there if you won't go there. 
and there's sort of a you know a deal or an understanding among the parties um, that occasionally gets violated, but they they work it out in other means. So uh, I think that's an interesting development as well. I, I agree with that, Sarah, and, and I have to speak just for insurance, since that's my uh, that's the area that I've been involved uh, in for so long. That one of the things that I've really noticed in the industry is that the major players, those who have uh, those who have branded sites like uh, Ryan and Jeff are very good in general about not bidding on on uh, their competitors' phrases and, and really try to um, just stick to the competitiveness on the generic terms. Jeff, is that something that you agree with that you've seen as well? Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, all the major players and all the major sites, especially in our industry, I mean, we're very good about, you know, A, protecting each other's brands when we need to, but also re- resolving issues with kind of other companies, partners, and affiliates if, if they were to come up. So, for example, if we were to catch a sure hits or comparison market, um, affiliate or partner bidding on you're using a kind of keyword term, you know, we can easily contact them and they're very quick to take those down um, and they're very responsive and we try to be the same to them. I, I can definitely I can definitely attest to that that uh, that these guys are great and Jeff in particular and insurance is really good about um, about notifying us not only of someone bidding on their own brand but actually notifying us of someone bidding on another uh, company's brand. And and I think, you know, one of the messages I really want to get out to Everybody who's doing uh, keyword-based marketing is that these guys are very serious about it, and they really do. They don't even want traffic from somebody else's brand, let alone their own. Uh, they really want to make to to stay completely on the right side of this issue and not get traffic that could later be uh, be considered questionable. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, wrap up here with just uh, with, with which each e- each person on the phone giving one person piece of advice. And Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Is there one thing you'd like to say to internet marketers, search engine marketers, with respect to this issue? One thing, either a do or a don't, uh, with respect to trademark infringement. Well, I guess a good piece of advice is uh, just 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 you do what you think is right. If you, if you are legitimately trying to have an informative site and drive traffic there just for to give knowledge to a consumer or someone making a buying decision. And that's fine, but if you are if you are definitely trying to monetize it by illegally using trademarks or the variants, then we're going to catch you. We're going to hunt you down, and you, you might end up in trouble. Thanks, Ryan. That's uh, that's I think that's really solid advice, Jeff. What would you say to internet marketers who are hearing the show? Well, I'll give two quick ones, and one kind of touch back on the uh, the moral analogy of this. So, you know. Imagine if you were to set up a website, uh, you know, a lemonade stand, uh, John's Lemonade Stand, and then you did a bunch of advertising all over, all over the city uh, to get people to come buy lemonade from you. And then right across the street, someone opens up John's Lemonade Stand too. Uh, you wouldn't be too happy about that. So from a moral standpoint, this is kind of why companies like us and Geico frown on this kind of activity. Uh, and then the, the final point to wrap it up is all of the big brand names out there, us, Geico, uh, you name it, we're all very serious about protecting our brand name. It's a name we've spent a lot of money to build up um, and for, to get people to recognize. And those people who go out and intentionally try to mislead customers or you know, take traffic from that's legitimately searching for us or one of the other competitors, you know, we're going to be extremely aggressive with stopping that. Uh, and if you're not sure that it's on the borderline or illegal or not, the best thing to do is check with either a lawyer or the company that you're uh, working with um, or potentially putting on your website. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Very, very good advice. And Sarah, advice for Internet marketers with respect to infringement? With respect to Internet marketers, you know, they have to just do their own education. I think I'd like to, to tailor my advice 
so there's always going to be a bad seed. I mean, there's not as there's not much point I think in um, advising internet marketers right now. The ones who are good and trying to do the right thing are because they're going to find out about it and they're going to ask the right questions. You know, I think that yep. the more dangerous component of this are those people who uh, know what the law is and don't care because they're monetizing. You know, they just want to monetize these sites and they're going to churn them as quickly as they can. Um, so I, I would like to tailor my advice to um, trademark holders, to the people who are you know, signing up their affiliates. And I think that the most important thing you can do is to get a clear contract um, with your affiliates and you know, use, use networks um, and make it clear that you know, no one can bid on our keywords and no one can disparage our brand name. You know, there's all, all kinds of activity that surrounds disparaging <laughs> brand names just to get traffic to that site. So have a clear right. contract. And then the second most important thing after you have that contract is to monitor, monitor, monitor. A lot of the trademark holders you know, sign up um, these affiliate programs and you know, wait for the traffic to roll in, and that's all fine and dandy, but you need to monitor to make sure that it's coming from places and from a message that you want it to come from. So I can't emphasize that enough. And these, and these two gentlemen on the phone, I think, are great examples of how vigilant you have to be, and that if you are vigilant, you'll have great results and form really useful, long-lasting partnerships with great Internet marketers. Well, Sarah, thank you so much, and, and I, I really appreciate the way, the direction you took that question, because I think that's just fantastic advice for brand holders uh, to, to do that diligence and, uh, you know, to, to give them a level of success by, by being diligent and taking the steps that you suggested. I'm going to close with my own piece of advice, and, and I think really first to echo uh, what all three of you said, I think, are, are just terrific pieces of advice. I would say, you know, I've been doing Internet marketing for a long time now, for about 10 years, and there's a lot. There's just there's as many different ways to make money uh, advertising online as you can possibly think of. Some of them are easy. Actually, none of them are easy. Some of them are harder than others and easier than others. Uh, but this is an issue that I think that you really do need to take serious, and whether, uh, whether you're someone who, who likes to to really play by the rules always, or whether you're someone who's trying to push the envelope a little bit, I'd really urge caution here uh, because, you know, I, I would really say, hey, you know, if you're the type of person who would really not want to advertise for a casino or something else that's kind of pushing the border, this is an area that you really need to watch out for. The people in the industry who are the brand holders are very serious uh, about their brands and the investments they've made in them. And the ad network owners and, and managers like myself, and I know I've spoken to the folks at the, the search engines, do take the issue very seriously. And uh, there certainly are a lot of different ways to, to make money in online advertising, and, and I would recommend uh, staying, uh, staying clear of, uh, of infringement uh, issues uh, where you possibly can just to, uh, to keep, yourself, uh, keep yourself out of trouble and... Uh, to not get on the wrong side of the law here, getting on the wrong side of these brand holders. And with that, I'm going to really thank uh, everybody who's on the call today. Again, we had Ryan Hartman from GEICO, Jeff Gurian from Insurance, and Sarah Bird from SEO Moz. Thank you all once again for joining the call. Very important information, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you.